in the message translation, he says in Isaiah, I will always show you where to go. I will always show you where to go. And I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. And you'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. And I think for me, that helps me remember that that's the story I'm living in. Not the story I'm experiencing every moment, but it is the story that I'm living in. Is I'm, I'm living in a story where in partnership with God, I will always know where to go. Brothers, welcome back to a two-part Become Good Soil podcast series where I paused and slowed down with some of my close allies who have consented to this mission and message of recovering the ancient path of masculine initiation. Aaron, Ryan, John Scott, welcome back. I want to dive into part two of this episode. And as we begin, I just want to mark this moment. Brothers Aaron, John Scott, Ryan, it's a joy to circle up with you guys uh, from afar. Um, The reason why I tapped your shoulder is I wanted to just celebrate that you guys are all in. You're all in. And you've demonstrated that slowly and steadily over time by your actions. And I know you're all in because when I walk away from conversation with you, I am deeply challenged. I'm deeply strengthened. I'm enticed. I find myself curious and I, I want more of what you're recovering as a man. And I think what I want to say to you three um, in a welcome is you're committed to the slow and steady process of becoming students and excavating, doing the work, becoming a son. And you, you guys have burned the ships. I just love the image. You burn the ships. There's no going back. Like you're risking it all on God. I remember a mentor said to me like way, way at the beginning of this, he said, we have to simply choose to live in a way where God, ha- God has to show up. And if he doesn't show up, we're host. That's it. There's no backup plan. There's no side hustle that we could kind of cling to when the ship goes down. We're all in on God. And and so um, I, I literally was emotional last night as I sat and prayed and prepared for our time together, seeing each of your faces. I could feel this emotion welling up. And I think what I want to say is I trust you, I respect you, and I'm just moved by your courage and your a thousand small choices. Aaron, can you give an example as you look back over now these 18 years of like in some specific either category or instance where in it, it was a shit show. Like there's no quick answer. There's no Bible verse or add a boy to slap on like it's it's just mucking the stables but now looking back at what you might have thought as waywardness it was in fact the straightest line possible that in fact you were a son 
being led. And now you can name that as good. I can try. I'm feeling tearful this morning, actually. And I was writing my journal about this earlier, um, not necessarily planning on sharing it this morning, but um, mucking the stables looked like for me when our daughter was alive, Hadley, she's been, she, she passed almost 12 years ago now and she lived for 12 years. Um, so in my early thirties, I was, you know, each day, my routine, I, I would wake up in the morning and listen before I would go get my coffee. If she was still breathing or not, I could hear down the hall and kind of hear her machines. And so it was like my first wake up, listen for her breath. And then if she was breathing, which for 12 years she did, then I'd go get my coffee. And it was a whole mental, emotional gymnastics that was happening each day around that. Like, how is this my life? She was special needs. She was uh, never walked, never talked, never crawled, was in a wheelchair, was tube fed, had seizure disorders, had cerebral palsy, like severely disabled. And like, was a two month old, you know, mentally. And we had this mobile hospital just to even go out to dinner and later in her life, like oxygen machines and all kinds of stuff. So very, very, very challenging set of circumstances. And so then I remember going into a room each day and I was oftentimes up first in the morning and my kids, were, my other two kids were little. So let's say everybody's under age 10 at this time. Mm -hmm three kids under age 10, middle um, Hadley in, in the wheelchair and medical bed and all this stuff. And uh, I'd go in and do the feeding for her, change her diaper, do the medications. And it was always something wrong. Uh, you know, it was either she, you know, shit her bed or she hadn't shit in a week. And I was putting on rubber gloves to extract her poop for her. They call it digitally with my fingers. Um, and I remember just in the middle of it, just feeling like a million things, but some of them were, I'm so alone. This will never end. What have I done wrong here to deserve this? God, why aren't you answering our prayers? And why isn't she healed and well? I mean, it's just the complications of my private hidden life during those years. And what I remember in those years is back to identity and the story that we're talking about here. I started asking, like you, Morgan, you mentioned like these phrases of I'm enough, I'm a son. It wasn't simple to believe those things back then. I didn't feel like a son. I felt like I was abandoned or I was on my own. I'm an orphan. Um, and I also, at an identity level, I was feeling like a nurse. Hmm. I was feeling very like what my family needs most is me to just kind of clock in and be a nurse so that I can just tend to all the, and I don't mean this in any like ego way, but like the feminine needs of nurturing and care. Yes. And I'm here I am at 30, 33, just perplexed over what am I supposed to do with my masculinity here? Because it doesn't feel like it has a place. And my masculinity comes out in anger or it comes out in 
discipline with the kids. And it's like, it's kind of not useful and it's in the way is what it felt like. So it's really struggling. And then I'd go off to war, what felt like during the day. And I was working in startups and it was just like, I treated it like war. I made everything intense. I clocked in in the morning. I clocked in at work. I clocked in at night. Everything was battle. Everything was to be won. And I was just like, what? <laughs> oh, this is not working for me. Um, it was a real deep, deep struggle of my life of God, where are you? And um, who am I? And how do I live in the story that I found myself in? And how can I continue to walk this out in step with you? And in the beginning, honestly, one of the first shifts where a buddy of mine dropped off some worship CDs um, in the back of the day of CDs. And he's like, I'd really encourage you just to soak in these. And I was really insulted by it. I was like, WTF, why don't you try my life on for a week and try soaking? You know, anyway, uh, I was really not happy about it. And about 10 days later, I decided to give it a try. And I put it on in her room while I'm in there caring for her mm. of just to begin to soak and begin to be her dad and father her versus be angry about her and her body that was a prison for her and for me is how I was treating her. Aaron, that's really holy. And I just want to pause and just name, like it's so risky for you to share so much of your heart publicly with this fellowship. And, and I just want to say to listeners, like this is sacred ground, please honor the man by not kind of rushing in and having the answer or the, even the like firm encouragement, like tread lightly, tread kindly. Aaron, I, I do have a follow-up question, but before I, or as I ask that, I think what I want to do is a bit of a surprise is I want to share, I want to play the audio of what you shared at this past intensive from the platform because on the first night you kind of you gave a reflection of sort of then and now of what was going on in your soul in those years when you were young and now as you're looking back uh you look back with more curiosity and confidence that god was with you and you were being fathered and so i'd love to play that audio now and just in that space um the follow-up question is when i look when i go into your home now on one level i would never believe that you had a handicapped daughter and that that was your life that was the center of your family system for 12 years and then I look up on your wall and see this stunning picture of this beautiful, precious girl that just beckons back to another time. And then I remember she was here and she is here. And that's all true. And it's one unbroken line. And so let's play this audio. And when we come off of this, just a sacred pause and 
I just want to ask you, Aaron, as you listen to the audio and think of those years with little hads um, and what was going on in your soul as a man, what now do you see more clearly that wasn't clear at the time? It's actually helpful for me to go back to that. In the beginning, pizza and beers and a pile of papers and the regret of these older men of, of saying, I wish I would have fill in the blank. And then therefore my advice to you is, and I remember the sobering feeling of that because some of what they were saying they regret was the very thing I was doing. I was working so hard to build something. I was working so hard to get something going. So I was 33 at the time. And I remember just the, well, what are we to, what are we to do then if the very thing the world says, our career says, the pressure I put on myself, the story I tell myself, uh, the lies that I've um, begun to believe of my life, well, what am I left with? And I think in that place, it was the, what if God is inviting us to something totally different and it's the uncovering the ancient path. It's like the, it, the way it's always been true. And yet we were, there wasn't a book. There wasn't, a, we couldn't come to this. There wasn't a podcast. Like we were just walking with God. What's on my mind as I think about these moments now, and again, I think I'm thinking about our friends listening is really my, the spirit of, of even sharing that story and in reflecting on that opening night of the recent BGS of the then and now story is Isaiah 58. I've been working on memorizing it and retreading it. And in the message translation, he says in Isaiah, I will always show you where to go. I will always show you where to go. And I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. And you'll be like a well-watered garden. A gurgling spring that never runs dry. And I think for me, that helps me remember that that's the story I'm living in, mm. not the story I'm experiencing every moment, but it is the story that I'm living in is I'm, I'm living in a story where in partnership with God, I will always know where to go. And I will have a full life in the emptiest of places. And I can speak to that now, 18 years in, just turning 50. I could riff for a long time about the reasons I should not have joy. And more and more of my life has been restored in the emptiest of places. Mm. And your joy is a contagion. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Joy has infected your wife and your kids, and has infected my wife and my kids, <laughs> has infected me in the dry and weary places. Yeah. So it does work, and there is a sort of victory lap 
in the end. <laughs> oh, so holy. Um, speaking of the 22 Become Good Soil Intensive, actually each of you, like me, just risked things you didn't expect to risk on love and say it is what it is. Uh, maybe not as big as I wished it was, but it is what it is. Um, here I am. And that's really, that's real courage is to come as you are and say, this is my story. Um, and this is what I'm risking. And uh, here I am. I want to bring a question to all of you because I think we've learned over this decade of excavation that we can start denying pain or resenting pain or minimizing pain or refusing pain. But there comes a shift where we end up realizing we need to make a relationship with our pain and allow our pain to be a guide. And most men fight that. I, I was leading a retreat with my son for his football team earlier this year. And so I'm sitting around with a bunch of coaches and they're philosophizing on life because, you know, we're kind of talking about a little deeper things than plays. And one coach had this great line, you know, he's a tough dude. John Scott, he would, you probably saw him in the gym in those earlier days, just full <laughs> tilt, right? He's one big muscle and he goes, every day I wake up and I say, good morning day. I'm about to kick you in the balls. <laughs> and I think about that all the time and I laugh my ass off going, that, that's one approach. And for a while that feels good. Good morning day. I'm about to kick you in the balls. <laughs> And what I wanted to say to my dear brother a decade from now is, how's that going? How's that working for you? So let me flip back to you guys on pain in that spirit, um, because it is an underlying narrative for all men in our masculine initiation. What is your relationship with pain over these years? of recovering the ancient path and, and how has it formed or informed your story? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it was very difficult to push into the pain, but, it, and I think God was leading me, but it was just so clear that that had to be addressed. And I was so exhausted from trying so hard for so long. I knew I needed to let go. But that felt like the riskiest thing on earth. That felt like death, mm. right? Um, and <laughs> now, I mean, there's no safer place to be than in God's hands and God's care. And God has us way more than I ever knew at the time. But at the time, yeah, it felt really hard to let go. And because I was crying out to God, like in the Psalms, because I was seeking him and knocking, like he came through time and time again, like he came through in a deer. He came through in uh, words from John Scott. He came through mentors. He came through podcasts. He came through fire your boss, work, life, play um, tons of books, you know, you name it. And he just kept coming through and through and through. Um, and I would just say, like, we all have unique stories and we all have unique expressions of God. And that means God wants to redeem us in unique ways. 
Like my story of redemption and my generational lines is going to look different than John Scott's or anybody else. Like, so I'm just going to honor my story and I'm learning to mature and settle into this is my story. And so um, this was probably a couple of years ago, Morgan, when you shared uh, Romans three and four in the message. So it's only now looking back that I can see that this is what God was up to in my pain and in my walk. And it says in Romans four in the message, become Jesus setting things right for us. Everyone who believes in him, we are utterly incapable. God did it for us out of sheer generosity. God set things right. God does not want to respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade, shifting our focus from what we do to what God does by putting that entire way of life in its proper place. We confirm it. Abraham entered into what God was doing for him, and that was the turning point. He trusted God to set him right instead of trying to be right on his own. You trust him to do it. You can never do it for yourself, no matter how hard and how long you worked. That trusting him to do it is what gets you set right with God, by God, sheer gift. Mm. And so that that letting go and that trusting and that risking and that all we have to do is believe. You know, and that opens the door and um, and then God has processed my pain. God has healed my pain in those wounds um, dozens and dozens of time. And so it's been beautiful and it's been hard and it's been risky. And it's been worth it. That is so true. And, and you know, walking here and Ryan talk about that is just awesome. And I've, I've watched the transformation from the attic space at Bear Trap Ranch. And man, Ryan, you are like Yoda, just bigger. <laughs> so, man, it, it's awesome. And pressing into the, you know, the pain um, for me, I grew up learning, you know, to kind of keep it to yourself and be independent. I was taught to be independent and how independence is good. And um, I think for me, seeking help and counseling and therapy, and I spent a lot of money and a lot of hours on personal counseling and um, counseling with my wife and with other guys over these past, really for the first couple of years after my fall, I, I was, I, I went to counseling a, for the first six months every week. And then it tailored back to a couple of times a month and then one time a month. And then I didn't have to go back again, but it was, it was significant diving into that pain and then doing the intensive at BGS was another level of, you know, counseling and therapy and, in in opening up in that small group to letting other guys hear the pain and them honoring the pain was a huge deal. 
because it was a big deal. And my story wasn't a story of, you know, I was, you know, sexually assaulted as a kid or my dad beat me or any of those things. They were more subtle. But my story is my story and it's significant to me. And I would always compare my story to those horror stories that you truly hear on TV and think, you know, mine's not that big a deal. And I just bury it when it was a big deal because it was my story and what I lived in and diving back into that pain um, was, it was helpful because it was like a release valve. It's like, you know, you can hear the teapot and the kettle just fixing to blow up and you got to pull the lid to let the pressure off. Otherwise it blows up or it seeks its own course. And so, you know, the pain for me, um, facing it off was really, really good. And one of the things I would like to, you know, talk about that was really good that Ryan mentioned it. I had another big, massive nuclear event about a year after Become Good Soil. It was with family. You know, I didn't expect that, right? But it happened. And it was one of the biggest events I've had. And I called up my counselor um, and I said to him, he, he's like a, just a jolly old man, smiley face, just, you know, move slow. And I called him up and I said, I, I got to talk to you. I've got a big problem going on. And he goes, what's going on? And I told him the story and he goes, are you trying to do this on your own again? And that was like the relief out. He was pulling the lid off and I was like, yes, I am. I'm so tired again. And I fell back into the old playbook and he goes, I want to teach you this Galatians 2.20. And Ryan has heard me say this. He's probably, I know he's not saying it now because we're on the podcast, but I mean, I say this to everybody. I'm living by this, but it's the King James version of Galatians 2.20. And it's only that one. It says, the life that I live in this fleshly body, I live by the faith of Jesus. Hmm. And so when he told me this, I was like, sounds like another, you know, scripture just thrown at me. What does it mean? He goes, well, we don't have to do it alone. In fact, we get to experience Jesus in us. When it says by the faith of Jesus, that means that we get to do it by his actual faith living through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. We experience his faith versus ours. So you don't have to use your fleshly whatever. And you can put in, the, in that space of, of um, faith any of the fruits of the Spirit, which we get to experience by inviting him in. And so he taught us how to do that extremely helpful, but it, had I not called him with my pain and admitted it to him and talked to him about it, I never would have heard it. So diving into that pain and sharing it with people and letting it out, it is a strength and it will make people stronger if they do it. It is hard, but the, the value on the other side way outweighs the risk that you'll put forth doing it. I love that, John Scott, and great listening to you both. What, what's on my mind is just thinking about our stories collectively is, and our, again, our friends listening, 
these like it feels like there's these options about how we approach our pain it's like we can numb which we just heard stories of mm -hmm. we can sleepwalk we're just kind of an autopilot in life we can try and outrun it outwork it is usually our our gear um or we can ignore it and mm. some combination of all of those and for me the difference of the stories that we are each telling is I think each of us can tell a story, have told a story about how we were a caricature of a man. And in that caricature, we had a version of the story we were attempting to keep prop up, right? Mm -hmm. It's the Michael Jordan of finance. If it's the, you know, King Poobah of Texas business, you know, in church work, like whatever, right? For me, you know, my sales career, like, Snyder, your version of that. Um, I don't wear Argyle socks. I'm blue collar <laughs> instead right. now. Whatever right. that, but pain is actually can be C.S. Lewis called it, it can be a megaphone. And in that pain, if we choose to not numb, to not sleepwalk, to not outrun, to not ignore, it can actually become our our way to be healed so we can be whole. Mm. And it's back to that. What if there was a way? What if there was a way to be a good again? To be whole again? So for me, pain had been the my relationship with pain now is I still have a tendency to numb or sleepwalk or these things, but I choose not to as the general forward path because I want to be whole. And I choose to allow this dance in relationship of inviting God into the pain that I experience. And it doesn't mean it goes away, but it does change the relationship I have with it in a way where I can hold joy mm -hmm. and pain at the same time. And to me, I, in the beginning, it was an either or choice. And I thought if I held pain for too long, it would crush me. So I just attempted to do these things too outrun, ignore, sleepwalk, numb, for fear of it, it will take me out. And then the accidental byproduct was, is I was more of a caricature of a man than I was a whole man. Guys, your stories are so evocative, disruptive, intoxicating, strengthening, healing, as you said, Aaron, healed so that we could become whole. That's the mission. And that's what's possible in masculine initiation. I want to ask one final question for this round table, if you guys are willing. One of the worldview shifts for me, as I've been in the process of unlearning much that I learned wrong in my own self initiation and peer initiation, is that it's quick, it's easy, and it's about the moment. It's short-term rewards and the shortcuts work. And that's the lie that's been dismantled. And what I've learned is much of the work of becoming a wholehearted man is planting seeds today that I may harvest a decade from now. That much of what I'm doing today now no longer has a short-term um, result 
that's up and to the right. It, it, it's the long game and it's the unseen and it's planting the seeds with confidence in who I am and who God is and what he's invited me to do in partnership with him that doesn't have an ROI that's very measurable and it's even on the horizon. And that used to be very disruptive because it's inefficient and it's uncomfortable and there aren't a lot of attaboys. But now I've lived more than a decade in this message and I'm basking, I'm reveling in the reality that when you plant seeds today and you harvest them a decade from now or longer, the fruit is extraordinary and it's 30, 60, 100 fold. And so I want to ask each of you, what would you say you're planting today that you no longer expect to see a, a short-term ROI, but you're doing it with confidence that the harvest will come and that it's worth it? Yes. So Snyder, what comes to mind for me is like, I just had this conversation this week with the guy we were, this is the second time I've had this same conversation in the last two months. And the conversation was around this. It was, I just turned 40 and this is this individual I was speaking with this executive leader. I just turned 40 and the work I do today isn't as satisfying as it was yesterday. And I haven't thought about purpose and meaning and these kind of troubling questions. I've not had a brave conversation with myself in a really long time. Hmm. And I'm not sure I'm ready, but what I'm doing is not working. And he went on to say both of them, but I said, so great. So do you want to try and have that conversation now? Well, I have dentist bills, orthodontist bills, a country club membership, a house, a mortgage. You don't understand. I'm like, okay. Actually, no, I do. Um, I have most of those too. And, but could we still go ahead and just run the risk of have the conversation now? Mm. Well, so anyway, we go on fast forward. <laughs> we have this great conversation around. So when was the last time you had a brave conversation with yourself? Oh, years. Okay. Well, what would it look like? Could we, could we hold the truth that those bills will still be waiting for you and your responsibilities? We're not here to consider dumping them, but we are here to explore what else is at work in you. And what if more of you was available in the work you do and more of you was available for the people that you love? Would you be willing to have that conversation? And what was really cool is back to you as an acorn moment, will that conversation, that human being become a oak tree? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But we definitely put some new acorns in the ground for something that has an opportunity to grow if they choose. And for me, what's been fun is to really let go of, I have no idea how these are going to happen. You know, what, what fruit will come from these? What I do know is that the fierceness of benevolence, the fierceness of believing that this is how forests happen, and that's worth it. Mm. Aaron, I'm just laughing at the Yelp review 
that this client may give you on how that session went. <laughs> and he gives you two stars going, what a waste of my time. That guy is not helpful with what I wanted to accomplish. And yet a decade from now, there's a chance that he could say that was my breakdown and well, my it, breakthrough. And it was just what Ryan mentioned. He's like, well, three years ago, you read this Romans scripture to me. Right. It's the same thing. Like, and now it makes more sense to me. Exactly. He was planting the seed whose harvest may come a decade from now. So good. Where, where I'm at is um, picture a map and the red dot, you are here. Um, I'm just trying to be present and settle into where God has me. So as I think back these last six and a half years of my walk, um, you know, each year the, uh, you know, advance words and consecrate the year and what, you know, what's kind of the theme of the year, you know, that really helps interpret the circumstances that unfold. And it's been a lot of, uh, you know, um, a lot of stuff. It's been, um, pretty wild, uh, ride and, um, and God's just inviting me to settle in. And he's been, um, saying to, it's about receiving, not striving. Mm -hmm. It's such an opposite energy from what I have had in the past. What's wild is I'm in the same job at the same company for 17 years. So six and a half years ago at the intensive, I was convinced there's no way I can have this career and have God. And I was like, well, I'll choose God. And that means I've got to quit. And God was like, easy tiger, you know, stay, stay in your lane. And then over time it developed into, you know, like it's, God's just laughing saying, um, watch what I can do. Like, I'm going to keep you in the, in the same job. You're going to have to die to your identity. You're going to feel really guilty about the past. You're going to feel really shameful about some of the choices you made. You know, the mistakes, and then I'm going to redeem it. And then I'll keep you there and you'll become more your true self. And then I'm going to ask you to lead for others at the same company, at the same job. And yeah, again, that's my story, right? Like Aaron, you had an amazing reboot and all along I'm like, God, can I reboot? Like, can I reboot? Can I reboot? And it's like, um, you know, yes, in some ways, little by little, but not in such a, you know, uh, a clear fashion. And um, so um, I'm focused on becoming the father I need to be and never knew and never knew what was possible and planting acorns in my soon to be 11 year old son hmm. and seven and a half year old daughter. And in honor of that amazing uh, number 103 secular and sacred podcast in that podcast, what really struck me was the framing where uh, Rich Pantusa said he has about a thousand conversations a year and uh, 995 of them are about work and the day job and the circumstances. Um, and there's five, only five that are, you know, heartfelt or about the kingdom um, or 
uh, all of a sudden things got real. And on the one hand, it's only five. And on the other hand, it's five and it's not zero. And so uh, that really names something deep in me to not focus on the, the negative minor theme of the 995 circumstances, but to be be at my post and be present for the five, for the days that they come and just try to be there and try to love on them. Mm. So, I, uh, you know, so that's just where, where I'm at. Mm. So good. So good. John Scott, the seed yeah. that you're planting now that may bring a harvest, if so, only a decade or more from now. So, um, you guys, um, the viewers may or may not know this. I, I have a business. I'm a business owner. And in our business, we have changed from a, while we pray to God, you know, at lunches or things to that effect, we have brought God in as a core focus of our mission statement that is stated and written in our office. Through while at heart, I met some guys in another business group that is a Christian-focused business group called C12 for anyone who's interested in that front. And through that group, I learned that I don't own my business. God owns my business. And I've been placed there to plant seeds. And through learning that all the touch points I have in my office through not only my employees, but the vendors that we use and the clients that we serve, we're able to drop little seeds wherever we go. And I need to be the guy to help plant seeds in the people who are meeting more people out there in the field so that they're planting seeds. And so about two years ago, we started you know, the change of our culture where we were bringing God to the forefront, going on the website, going on all the marketing material, we're unabashedly proclaiming God. And that meant, you know, stepping out of our comfort zone in some areas. And what I've um, seen happen over the period of time is it's just small steps and small ideas. We don't have to take on the whole world at our office. It's just one thing here, one thing there. And then over a period of time, those seeds do germinate. And so um, that's what we are continuing to do at our offices, provide opportunities for people who want to receive. We provide those opportunities for people at our office for them to come. If they want to go get counseling, we pay for it. Um, we pay for their time off. We give them the time off. And so breaking down that secular you know, the sacred secular divide where it's either sacred or desecrated. We've brought it into our office, recognizing that God owns our company. What we do is to honor him first and foremost and provide those opportunities for um, inward change inside our office so that then outside of our office, we affect people outside of the office. The Back to that verse that talks about first clean the inside of the cup and then the outside shall become clean. We view our offices, the inside of the cup, and then the outside of the cup are the people that we work with. Guys, this is holy space for you to risk opening your hearts of 
letting other men into the ordinary everyday life where you are encountering the supernatural life of God. Christ incarnate, the prayer, Father, reveal who you are and set the world right. That's what I'm hearing, Aaron, Ryan, John Scott. God is revealing who he is and he is setting it right in you and then through you, slow and steady, over time. I'm not telling you that it's easy, but I'm telling you that it's worth it. So thank you for risking, thank you for loving, and thank you for being willing to share your story with these other men, friends, as you listen to these stories. I pray that you would slow down. I pray that you would go back. I pray that you would listen again and you would allow the spirit of the living God to be wind and water and sword and balm and that it would lead you to confession and confidence and awe that you are loved, that you are pursued, that you are enough, that you have enough, that you are on time. And today the choice is yours. Friends, as we close this part two and final episode, with Ryan and John Scott and Aaron, these fellow apprentices in the kingdom of God. I want to turn back to Romans 3 and 4 and Ryan, what you recovered for us from the message translation. And so I invite you, Ryan, could you read that for us one more time as a prayer over the men listening around the globe? And brothers, from this prayer, We'll go into our 90-second close of this part two of this conversation of being healed so that we can become whole as men. And in these 90 seconds of pause, of breath, of curiosity, and listening to the heart of God on your behalf, I invite you to get curious. What is he after? Where is he inviting you? What's the next first track? And what would he have to say? Become Jesus setting things right for us. Everyone who believes in him, we are utterly incapable. God did it for us out of sheer generosity. God set things right. God does not want to respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting him set the pace not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade, shifting our focus from what we do to what God does by putting that entire way of life in its proper place, we confirm it. Abraham entered into what God was doing for him, and that was the turning point. He trusted God to set him right instead of trying to be right on his own. You trust him to do it. You can never do it for yourself, no matter how hard and how long you worked. That trusting him to do it is what gets you set right with God, by God, 
sheer gift. 